How do you manage to keep up with everything? You know, I think time management is everything. And I also think it's working. Everything I do, every time I go to work, it's doing something I love and enjoy. And so when I'm enjoying what I do so much, it doesn't feel like it's so cliche to say, but it just doesn't mm. feel like work the same way. So, um, and I just have some really big goals and dreams and I'm determined to work towards those. So that keeps me really motivated. I think first and foremost, I'm just there to do a job and I'm not mm. asking for any different treatment. I am asking for consistency and truly it's just, I want consistency of policy and I want to be treated like every other qualified individual in that room. Mm. Um, I also do think though that every single time I've worked with a male dominant sport to have the leadership in that environment, ask me how they can best support me or show action mm. to support me. And by showing and demonstrating me respect and like demonstrating that in front of their players or their athletes, like that has made such a world. Hello and welcome back to PA Chalk Up. Today I am filming at KD Fit. He's been Nice enough to let me borrow his space for filming my podcast. So big shout out to KD Fit. Today we have Caroline. Hello, how are you doing? Hi, good. How are you? I'm good. It's a long time no speak. What's been up? I know. Way, way too long. Oh, I've just been busy. I'm in physical therapy school, working and, you know, living life. Just doing it all. No, so if you just give us a little introduction of who you are and what you do. Yeah. So hi, I'm Caroline. I am an I'm a yoga instructor for athletics. I'm a strength and conditioning coach, and I'm a student at Tufts University in their doctor physical therapy program. So um, I'm also currently going through Satanta College to obtain my master's in sports rehabilitation and performance. So I wear a lot of hats these days. I'm most definitely a student these days and I would consider myself a lifelong learner so I enjoy that but I am pretty much training in all of my free time I slowly am becoming potentially a triathlete and I'm enjoying that journey so that's kind of been my <laughs> more fun free time side of things but um I am primarily an instructor for um, elite athletes in yoga. Yeah, how do you do it all? I know we've kind of spoke off camera, um, but yeah, how do you manage to keep up with everything? You know, I think time management is everything. And I also think it's working. Everything I do, every time I go to work, it's doing something I love and enjoy. And so when I'm enjoying what I do so much, it doesn't feel like it's so cliche to say, but it just doesn't feel like work the same way. So, um, and I just have some really big goals and dreams and I'm determined to work towards those. So that keeps me really motivated. Yeah. So how did you say, essentially, I know how you sort of started in your journey because we started at UW together, but how did you mm -hmm. go from sort of S&C coach to then wanting to do the yoga side for athletes? So... I 
actually was a yoga instructor prior to the strength and conditioning internship with University of Washington football. So I always really loved what yoga had to offer, not just from a physical standpoint in flexibility, mobility practices, but really on more of an emotional and mental health care Mm. level. So for me, once I got into the strength and conditioning spaces and kind of built that rapport with the coaches and the athletes, it was a really natural next step to begin to integrate yoga into that experience. So that's kind of how it ended up working out for me. And then once I started up with football, I reached out to a few other sports and they said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We would love to integrate yoga into our schedule. And it's been a super fun journey for me. It's been really interesting to focus on like specifically elite athletics for this Mm -hmm. time period and um, cater towards each of the sports individually, since all of them are going to have their different needs. All of them are different team sizes for everyone. There's different logistics for every single team I teach for. So it keeps me on my toes. It keeps my life interesting. And I enjoy that about it. Yeah. So how did your journey sort of start from? Oh my gosh. Um, I actually would probably say that my journey started back to when I was 13 years old. Um, I was chronically injured when I was 13 and started having undiagnosed bilateral leg pain and no one could figure it out. So I began going to physical therapy, but that didn't really resonate and started going to acupuncture and that helped in my pain management immensely. And I thought that for a very long time, that's what I wanted to ultimately do. But I ended up once I got injured, um, also had four kneecap subluxations on each knee, which led me to having two knee surgeries. And then just more recently, uh, a third for an ACL reconstruction. So for me, my journey really starts with getting injured. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people who end up in strength and conditioning, I know for I know there's a lot of athletes who've had great experiences with coaches in their undergraduate athletic experience, maybe playing division one, two, what three, whatever it is, but playing a sport competitively. And for me, it was actually precisely the thing that kept me out of sports that made me want to be involved with it that much Mm. more. So Following those two knee surgeries, I began teaching bar three, which is a combination of strength, conditioning, cardio, and mindfulness. So I've been teaching that for five years now. And I started teaching that, um, right after my second knee surgery, pretty much. So I began training for that. And that is where my love for group exercise and teaching group fitness really began. So following that, um, about two years later, I became a yoga instructor and was fascinated by that whole journey and um, really liked how it complemented all the physical strength that I was already building with bar three. Um, And then it wasn't until my third knee surgery when I had my ACL reconstruction that I actually really got into specifically lifting weights, Mm. um, more of the strength and 
conditioning, like traditional strength and conditioning weight room type work. So I'd already been in the strength and conditioning world and in the group fitness world, but more starting to lean towards the personal training side of things and explore that a little bit more. So, um, yeah, it was really getting injured that led me to have to get really creative mm-hmm. about how I could move my body in ways that felt really good for me and supportive for me to move my body. And then figuring out how much I love sharing that with people that led me to where I am now. Yeah. And now of course, physical therapy school and all fascinated about rehabilitation and bridging that gap mm. between, you know, rehabilitation and return to sport. Yeah. You've so. said something very interesting. It's something that I try and implement as much as I can when people come in with injuries for me. And you said that you're training for surgery. Can you sort of break that down and how important that is? Yeah. So you mean like training prior to yeah. or after so like surgery? training to get some strength into it so that when you do have surgery, then it's easier to come back from because that strength is already Yeah, I think a lot of what motivates me now is precisely that concept that if I, I think once you've sustained an injury, and it's been really life altering for you, it can be hard not to think about the possibility of it happening Mm. again, at least for me and my personal experience, that's what I've found. And so I find that it's one, a celebration of how far I've come. And what my body is capable of doing every time I get to work out, every time I get to move my body, like whenever I need a reality check, that's what I come back to is the fact that I am so grateful. Like it it is such a blessing that I get to move my body, whether it's lifting weights, whether it's swimming or running or biking, whatever it is dancing. Like I went and took a hip hop class the other day for fun, just, just as a way to celebrate like how far I've come. Because for me, I wasn't always able to do that. And there's always that fear, um, at least for me, because life is super unpredictable and who knows it's plausible. We can only mitigate the risk of injury. We Mm. cannot truly prevent injury. So for me, all of those things are ways of mitigating the risk of injury, not preventing Mm. injury by mitigating the risk of injury and in that process of building as much strength as we have or as we can, then when you go into surgery or something like that, hopefully you have that more solid base that's going to set you up for success in terms of muscle activation, following surgery and all of that. Um, but it's, it's not always possible, especially like once an athlete sustains or once an individual, um, sustains an injury that, you can't always start prepping for surgery at that point in time. So really that preparation begins before you even sustain the injury. Um, In the case of my ACL reconstruction though, like I was still able to cycle before I went in for surgery. So I tore my ACL, but then that like literally the night before surgery, I was cycling. I was on my stationary bike because I was like, I just have to celebrate this while I can. I have to just soak this in while I can. And I also want to like try and just maximize my strength and maximize, you know, this experience before I go into surgery. So, um, but a lot of times, most often that's before sustaining the injury yeah. itself. So. so how does that now tie in 
with your sort of post-grad work to the work that you have been doing? It's everything. Like, I think it's so funny when people ask me what I do, (laughs) what I truly do is human body movement. Mm -hmm. That's what I love. That's what I'm interested in. And all of my goals are pretty much surrounded by my interest in human body movement. Um, so with physical therapy school and with my master's in sports rehabilitation and performance, it's all centered around the same stuff. So my interest isn't just working with an individual after they've sustained an injury or after they've had surgery and then working with them in that acute pain phase or acute injury phase. But I love the strength and conditioning side of things because it allows us to take so much more knowledge into the rehabilitation process and understanding like if we're truly wanting to help an athlete rehabilitation for return to sport, we can't just get them back to that point where they're walking Mm -hmm. because and for some people that is what their meaningful life activities are is they want to be able to, you know, play with their grandkids. They want to be able to put their dishes back in the cabinet and they want to be able to walk and they're happy with that. And that's where the rehabilitation process ends um, in a lot of outpatient physical therapy. But with an athlete, we have to get them back to this point where if you're playing volleyball, you have to jump Mm. and you have to not only be able to jump decently, you have to be able to jump frequently. You have to be able, you know, like all of the different demands given your position and your role in a specific sport. And we have to consider that when an athlete gets injured and then rehabilitate them to the point where they can walk, but also take it a step further and get creative Mm. with strength and conditioning and the rehabilitation process and start to really bring those two things together to bridge that gap and create a better return to play experience for these athletes. Yeah. So how does the implement implementation of yoga come into the SNC world, the rehab, and how do you conjoin them? So yoga is so much more than a physical practice. It's one of the first things you learn when you go through your yoga teacher training. And if you are someone who's practiced yoga or especially has had experience practicing yoga really consistently, that's something you'll start to pick up on is that, oh, this is way more than just getting flexible. So some of the hardest workouts I've ever had are yoga. It's hard when you're having to like hold your body weight for a certain position for like a certain amount of time. Mine's is always warrior pose. Oh, Oh. when you get me in that lunge and stretch that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so good. Yeah. And that's the part of the amazing, um, Like it's one amazing component that yoga has to offer that it can help you get stronger. It can help you become more flexible, more mobile, and all of those benefits that a lot of people frequently talk about. But I think truly at its core, yoga is also historically a very spiritual practice. It has its roots in India. And um, for a lot of people, it still remains a very spiritual practice. And it can be that to any individual who practices yoga, if that's something that speaks to them. Um, but regardless, it, it, it can be a really meditative and mindful practice. Mm. Um, 
And I think that is so important and it often gets really overlooked in the athletic spaces because we have a really large emphasis on the physical body. Mm. But when it comes down to it, when you're a student athlete, when you're a professional athlete, there is a huge, huge mental component and emotional component to your sport. You've invested so much. And when your mind's not right, you're not going to be nearly as present. You're not going to be nearly as engaged. And that's going to take a toll. And I mean, it inevitably is going to spill into the physical piece of your sport, of practice, of your match, of your game, whatever it might be, if that goes unchecked. Mm. Um, And so I think it ties deeply into mental health. And I don't know that that's really, you know, it's not something that is discussed, I think, probably enough in the world of i don't know everyone says that though no i I definitely think you're right though i think that i've i've just filmed a podcast with nima and you were Mm -hmm. we were sort of talking about the like why the example that he sort of presented was he doesn't get why uh, quarterbacks have to run gut busters or just like any type of conditioning work and i think for me it's the mental side like if you think about how much mental pressure that they're under like that plays into cortisol that has different hormones pumping through your body so they need to be able to handle that load and still be able to keep their heart rate down to perform movements and to perform at their best right so having that conditioning is is as important as having your mind right because like yeah. If you don't have your mind right, that cortisol rises and you're like freeze and you're just like, Oof, what do I do now? And there are these high stake situations. So for me, it's just like, I think you are absolutely right. Like the mentality and like just being able to stay cool and calm and collected during those times are what matters the most. Right. And I think a lot of times when, I mean, if it, helps to think about it as mental conditioning. Mm. You can even think about it that way because that's essentially what it is. It's this practice of, um, you know, building your tools in your toolbox to when you are in a high stress situation, be able to manage your emotions, regulate all of that to be able to deliver a successful athletic physical Mm -hmm. performance. And, by you know a lot of the work I do with athletes too and and I kind of I kind of joke about it like I'm kind of sneaking the medicine in the cheese a little bit (laughs) because I would like (laughs) I don't I never walked into football and was like I'm gonna teach you guys some breathing techniques today that are gonna help calm you down like never did I ever walk into football and try to like immediately sell them on meditation however I try to sneak the medicine and the cheese. So, you know, I speak to a lot of athletes I work with are really much more interested in getting more mobile, more flexible. They feel like their hamstrings hurt them all Mm. the time. And so I'm like, okay, let's address a lot of those complaints that you have. But there's also a lot of really great literature that supports by learning to breathe diaphragmatically and utilizing breathing techniques mm-hmm. that actually does deliver a physical benefit. 
So because your parasympathetic nervous system and your sympathetic nervous system are closely linked, like we have that rest and digest mode, the flight, fight and flight mode, and we need to be able to regulate, mm -hmm. okay, when are we, <laughs> what kind of autonomic tone are we calling upon in that moment? And so a lot of times I just have to sneak the breath work in with the mobility drills. And I find though that it's, it really has been, I've, my athletes mm. use these techniques techniques that I teach them the breathing techniques that I teach them in their tennis matches like I've seen that happen I've seen them utilize it before game yeah. and it's that's the coolest moment for me too like that's exactly what I'm doing yeah how makes it how is the sort of atmosphere when you're taking these guys and women through yoga like during and after practices I don't even know if I have adequate words to describe <laughs> like what, what I, when I show up to every single day is different. Like, I think that's just it. It's so hard to sum it up because every single team I teach is different. Every single day I teach them is different. Time of day makes a world of difference. Mm. If it's 7 a.m., and they just want to go back to bed. Sometimes that's actually the best for me because they're lower energy. They're like, Oh, we get to just chill out here. Great. You know? Um, and then if it's in the middle of the day where high energy just got back from practice and it was super high charged, whatever it is, like, it's just also dependent on all of these different factors that are on everyone's plates. Mm. Um, like when it's the Kraken, it totally depends. A lot of times I'm seeing them off season. So it's completely different energy than when they're on the road all yeah. the time, you know? So, so if you want to give us a like a little breakdown of what teams and athletes you actually coach and how the differences between them. Okay. So I'm working with about 10 different teams uh, right now. Um, so a majority of them are UW athletics. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I work with men's and women's golf, men's and women's tennis, men's soccer, football, basketball, men's and women's crew. I work with the NHL Seattle Kraken and I've done some work with the, um, major league rugby team here. Mm. So they're the Seattle Seawolves and softball i knew i was missing one at uw so i think that's everyone but i might be <laughs> missing a few. Oh, how did that I all start for you it all started with football it all started with football so i just kind of it was snowball and then i had after i'd reach out to a few teams and then after a little while i had a few teams reach out to me because mm. they'd heard about me because i'm just essentially you know, essentially the university of washington like go to <laughs> yoga instructor now i don't know i feel really what's the different feels... atmosphere between all the oh. different teams oh my word um golf and tennis are really similar and i think they they're super um receptive mm. to yoga and i think they really value the 
breathing techni techniques and the mental component because it's so huge, so huge in their sports. Like you talk about tennis, you talk about golf. Those are hugely mental mm -hmm. game. Um, I, just, I think when it comes to, I just yeah. got done sad playing golf with my brother and the, the mental torture that me and him subject each other to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we talk so much trash to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also like it's it's silent mm. a lot of the time too. Like out on the course, they're, they're really comfortable with quiet, which is cool. Yeah. Um, whereas football is such a high energy atmosphere. Same with basketball. Um, and soccer is even that way too. It's really fascinating. I think it's kind of based on what environment you're used to kind of determines mm. a little bit of the approach I take. Yeah. Um, but every single sport has their different vibe. Also, it's so dependent on coaching staff. What is the strength staff like? Do they value, um, you know, mobility? Is that something they're already incorporating? Is this totally new to them? And then that's going to determine so much of, okay, well, what work do I then have to do? So I almost pretty much, I think every single time I've ever worked with a team, I've first spoken to their strength and conditioning coach. Nice and their head coach or assistant coach or whoever the point of contact is because i want to ensure okay what is your team's experience with this are they receptive to it is this something that's entirely new to them do they have a consistent mobility routine or you know are we just working from square one mm -hmm. so so i know you kind of previously touched on that like your whole focus is human body movement and like how to make that efficient what if any like differences do you apply for different teams or how do you look at that process yeah oh yes um for hockey so much of it is hips so if i'm working with and it's is that totally ice depends hockey on or field hockey ice hockey, ice hockey yeah. Yeah. so and for it depends on the position too because i will have you know, a football quarterback coming with a different complaint than an offensive lineman. Mm. Um, but there's definitely some general themes. So generally speaking, almost every athlete I've worked with will tell me, I pretty much start, like when I plan my classes, I always go in with a general plan if no one is really has any specific requests or anything like that. But once I do show up, I ask them, okay, how are you feeling? What in your body is sore? Where is there extra tension today? What did today look like for you guys? Has this week been really stressful? And I gauge based on what they're telling me and based on their energy, what needs to happen that day. So a lot of the requests that I get are hip flexors, glutes, hamstrings, quads a lot of time it's really lower body focused for mm -hmm. these teams um and i think that's pretty much across the board for all sports is those are the general complaints and a lot of times too they're you know sore from a lift or whatever mm -hmm. so i think there's that confounding variable but when it comes to the sport specifically like 
hockey goalies have so much ice hockey goalies have so much internal hip rotation yeah because yes it's wild and so the external hip rotation is just we start to work on a little more that mobility i give them some more um external hip rotation focused stretches um and sometimes even incorporating some more snc type stuff like after your lift go do this mm. because that's gonna or before your lift i want you to think about x y or z to activate these muscles in order to start to correct maybe some of these range of motion deficits or um you know if it's a strength and balance that sort of thing too but that's that's hard to do that's getting a little more physical therapy and that's hard to do without yeah. an eval but if i have an athlete talking to me one on one on one i'll kind of see what what seems to be the issue and maybe recommend some few stretches or um activation exercises yeah so can you take us through like the low ad principles of how you formulate these programs and these plans for these athletes uh yeah like the individual or more both the general both i kind of want to know both okay so i mean really it's kind of kind of like what i already said it's just usually i give them i have five stretches i basically give every single athlete it's a hip flexor stretch groin stretch slash adductor stretch um glutes hamstrings and usually like a quad stretch as well because those are the like i said the primary complaints i get um but when it comes to like if i'm working with crew they're usually really asymmetrical because they row on one mm -hmm. side and one side only so I have to think about that and you know a lot of times with tennis or with golf because or softball they're rotational sports so sometimes they'll have more thoracic spine rotation in one direction than the other so it's thinking about okay what are some of those poses that we can incorporate to maybe start to get a little bit more yeah. even start to correct some of those imbalances so maybe we're mitigating the risk of injury you know and not getting too dominant on one side and creating a whole bunch of mm -hmm. range of motion imbalances, essentially. Really, I just open it up after every class I teach. I say, if there's anything specifically you're working through and um, you're wanting a few extra stretches, you can always feel free to ask me. I'm here to connect here if you want to chat and you have any specific questions, I'm absolutely willing to field those. And that's usually when I'll start to get more of a story with an athlete mm. and I always... First, if they're like, I'm in pain, I, you know, had this injury. The first thing I say is, have you talked to your athletic training staff? Because I'm not mm. currently, and I'm not acting in the capacity as their practitioners. So I know that that's not, my role mm -hmm. is not to diagnose them. My role is not to identify like, you know, you need to go get an x-ray. You need to go see, I'm not I'm just the yoga instructor in this situation and a strength and conditioning coach in this situation. So I'm acting as such, but I'm shocked by the number of times they're like, no, I actually haven't. Maybe I should do that. Yeah. Sometimes it's a matter of telling them, okay, go do that. Then come back to me. Let me know what they said. And I can work with you from there. Yeah. The other half of the time it's yes, I saw them. This is what they told me. I said, great. What have they given you so far? Mm. And then I just, based on my knowledge and my experience, will give them any additional stretches or exercises or, um, that I think could be beneficial for them. 
as long as they've been cleared by mm. AT. Yeah. So as, how does it feel to then help them through these situations after they've seen the, the physical therapists and that the right team first? It's the coolest part of my job. It's the reason I do what I do. Um, I do what I do because, like I've said, I love human body movement. But the reality is, is I'm in it to especially, I think, provide support and to help people who maybe on such big teams, it's really mm. hard to gain such a, I guess, a personal level of support with, you know, from athletic training and from coaches. And there's just some of the people who maybe don't get as much um, playing time are not necessarily getting the same sort of support yeah. to return to sport, I guess, if that makes sense. And they just kind of, I feel like there's a few, I don't know, I hesitate to say that a little bit. It's not true in all cases, but it can just be really easy, I think, for people to feel as if they've fallen through the cracks yeah. a little bit. And so getting to just support those people and let them know that they do have someone on mm. their team and on their side is really what I see as a big piece of what I do. Yeah. So how do you um, find the, like the buy-in and the report that you build through these to then get them to start playing their sports as normal? Well, I think a big piece is like the buy-in comes with time and I I have to earn their respect first. Like they don't know me. I a lot of times I mean I'm independent contract work, so I come in and I'm not technically like stuffed their coach. Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of what I the approach I take, I guess, is saying, Hey, this is why I'm here. I pretty much start every single time. I'm like, raise your hand if you have a consistent mobility routine. I want to see who that is. Typically it's like one person out of a team of 20, 30, 40, 50. Like it's usually one person, maybe two. Um, and then I'm like, okay, who's taking yoga? Okay, great. So that kind of gives me a sense of how much explaining do I need to do about mm. what I'm here to do. <laughs> and then I, I just express to them like, Hey, this is the rationale behind this. And I think the buy-in is so often created when you can provide a why. Mm. And if you're not able to provide a why, then what's the point? 100%. So I so often, I try to ensure that with every question I get from them, I'm either honest and say, I don't know. Let me go find that out. Or let me direct you to a better resource. Or two, I hear you and I appreciate that question. And here's the why behind what we are doing and why we're doing it the way we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge piece of buy-in. Like if I can give you a really good explanation for why you should be doing yoga, then okay. But if I'm like, oh, actually, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> 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 like then what are we doing here yeah. you know so i really think that's a huge part of my job too is being able to express like in the scientific literature this is what is supported and i tell my athletes like let's hold stretches for approximately 
30 seconds to a minute because in the scientific literature, that is what mm. has been shown typically is most beneficial for our goals that we have here. Yeah. So I think being backed by science, being backed by experience and being backed by a why makes a huge difference for creating buy-in and you, just giving them time. Yeah. Do you feel like you have to explain mm-hmm. that a lot? Every, I do it every time I go in for the first time yeah. because I don't expect them to immediately be on board, you know? Yeah. What kind of success have you seen yeah. um, implementing yoga and that structure of training into these higher level uh, sports? I've had a lot of athletes express to me what a huge difference it's made for them and their mental health. In what sense of their mental health? Just in terms of they feel less stressed. They feel more present. They feel like everything on their plate is a little more manageable. Mm. Um, and that specifically the mindfulness breathing techniques and, you know, that the sort of tools I give them for that um, helps them with their everything on their plate. Gosh, just athletes have a lot on their plate. 100%. Um, especially student athletes. So, um, and then in terms of, <laughs> I mean, basically every single time I teach a class, I will have people walking out of there like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. Like, I feel so much better. Like, my hips feel more open. My back feels, like, so much better. So that's pretty much the immediate feedback I get. And Mm. that goes into creating buy-in, too. Like, if you walk out of there and you feel better than when you walked in, great. I've done my job and so have they. Yeah. So (laughs) So. how does it feel, like, being a a sort of, women strength and conditioning and having to go into these male dominated um, teams. Yeah. Um, it's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many elements. Um, I think first and foremost, I'm just there to do a job mm. and I'm not asking for any different treatment. Um, I am asking for consistency. And I think that's been one of my biggest lessons I've learned is, you know, sometimes people will think that if you're a woman in a male dominant environment, that you're going to want special treatment or something different, or, um, I don't know, something along those lines. And truly it's just, I want consistency of policy and I want to, be treated like every other qualified individual Mm. in that room. Um, And so I think that's one of the biggest, I guess, takeaways for me is that that, there is that common misconception. Um, I also do think though that every single time I've worked with a male dominant sport to have the leadership in that environment 
ask me how they can best support me mm. or show action to support me. And by showing and demonstrating me respect and like um, demonstrating that in front of their players or their athletes, like that has made such a world of difference yeah. for me. Can you give us an example? Um, yeah. Like I, th- I think one of the first things that comes to mind is um, when I went to the um, started teaching yoga to men's golf at university of Washington. And we had an initial meeting with the team. It was one of the coolest things I think I've seen a, a team and a coaching staff do before is um, they called a meeting and introduced me to their athletes and athletes got introduced to me. And I told them like, instead of having to do it the first session, we just created this opportunity for them to understand why I was there and for them to ask me any questions they had to about what, what we were trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, and the assistant coach at the time, he got up in front of the athletes and just spoke to his experience of how yoga was so impactful mm-hmm. for him as an athlete and why this is so beneficial in his eyes. And to have someone that already, that they already respect vouch for the value Mm -hmm. that my business can bring to them in their sport is huge. Because that just, that takes so much of the pressure off of me and already like, I mean, it can be really difficult to create particularly, it is so much easier as a yoga instructor to come in and teach guys. Mm. It is 10 times different to tell guys how to lift weights, 10 times different. Because there is something that is in our society far more acceptable about a woman telling you how to stretch Mm -hmm. than a woman telling you how to lift. And that, (laughs) (laughs) that was really, truly my biggest struggle. But to have that coach say that about yoga was, I mean, one of the coolest things I've seen in terms of demonstrating support Mm -hmm. for bringing me on. Yeah. Yeah. What's some of the philosophies that you hold while um, doing all these different roles? Um, I have a growth mindset. I think that is the pinnacle of who I am and what I what I'm trying to accomplish here. And I'm. I'm just constantly learning Mm. and I think knowing too that, I mean, I think that keeps me humble too. Like it it just, I, I think there's so much ego in this field and what it really comes down to is that. (laughs) You're, you're right. (laughs) Yeah. Like, but how can we really determine when someone is an expert at something? Mm. And like, once you determine that someone's an expert at something, well, does that like mean you just stop learning? Like, what is, what does that mean? I guess. And so I think I just keep, I just keep the focus constantly on what, what I have to learn. What more do I have to learn? And it's, it's never ending. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the, 
best things that we learned from Coach Mac is that like no matter how far you've made it into the field, like there is always the next step. Like you could always learn more. And like there's this saying in, yeah. in, in Portugal where it's like you can learn something from everyone, even a dumb person. You can learn not to be them. And like that to <laughs> me, I'm just like, I mean, yeah, like a hundred percent. Like you can you can learn what not to do in some of the worst situations. Like panicking yeah. in a in a high stress situation probably isn't the best idea. So let's not do that. Mm-hmm. Let's focus our energies and like coming up with solutions. And I think mm-hmm. Coach Mark really drilled that into us. And like one of the most fascinating things that he said to me, I think, was that like he falls asleep watching YouTube videos on how to get better. And like Coach Max is in the position that he's in. Like if anyone should stop learning because he knows it'll do the stream it was him. But like he's still like continuously progressing. Yeah, I mean I think the people I know in my life who exist in this space without an ego and with that growth mindset like that that goes hand in hand i've i've found um i think you know there's two people that in particular in the field come to mind for me too in terms of like i one of my other mentors um he was my anatomy professor in my undergrad and he's also a strength and conditioning coach and works in a physical therapy clinic so he's been hugely impact impactful to um my development Mm. in my learning process. And I think truly, I mean, (laughs) I just, I don't know how to put it into words. Like he just has really demonstrated, I think what that growth mindset Mm. means to me too. Like he's that, he's one of those people in my life that I think has demonstrated that so solidly that Um, and I recognize what a huge difference that's made for every single client he's worked Mm. with and every single student he's taught and instilling that in them too. So I feel like that just shout out to university of Oregon, human physiology, like that is where that first got installed in me for sure. Like just into my brain, like, and when it comes to the human body, are you kidding me? We've like scratched the surface. 100%. 100%. Like, talk about the brain. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's actually a very fascinating field coming up, which I'm really interested in. And I learned it from sort of people at my university. And it's like using the oxygen in the muscle as a fuel source and how much energy availability there is because of, like, oxygen availability. And, like, mm. you can only push as much as you've got oxygen in your muscles. So the quicker that you can replenish that, the more you can get out of it. And mm-hmm. I think like it's 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 constantly learning, having a look at what other people are doing. And I truly believe that as soon as you think that you know it all, your career's like it's it's stuck. It's you there's not much to do after that. Yeah. Also like I don't know. Like, have you 
like when you run into someone who thinks they know everything, <laughs> like that's just an immediate, like, I don't, I don't trust you anymore. Like if you think you know everything, there's far too much mm. for any one person to know that like you just, it's like you've lost my trust. <laughs> because if, if anyone on this planet, I don't care what you do, who you are, you have more to learn. Mm. And so the immediate moment someone tells me like, oh, like, I'm an expert. I know everything there is to know. I'm like, oh, red flag. No, <laughs> big red flag. <laughs> so much more to learn. Everyone does. Hundred percent. Like, I think that's why I love doing this podcast as much is because like I'm constantly learning from someone, and it's just like that mm-hmm. constant. Even like the simple things, like getting better at talking on camera, being like able to just right. be in this presence and just like really like interact with someone else. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. the best part about it is like learning new things, like just movement bases. Like if I've if I've ever had any questions on like movement based or yoga based, like Caroline, let's go. Let me let me bombard you with a million one questions. I love questions. I love questions because <laughs> if you're not asking them, what are what are we doing? I would. Questions show you're curious and you're interested mm. and you're invested. And I love that. hundred percent. Like, that's what I love. I love when athletes ask me questions too. Like just, you know, tangent, but <laughs> anytime I ask me a question, I'm like, yes, you just made my day. <laughs> but I'm such a nerd. I love learning. I love knowledge. And I love to share what I think I might know mm. from my experience, you know, hundred percent, but also for them to see what works for them and maybe go see some other resources too that's always a beautiful thing yeah what's kind of like a routine that you do for yourself that you would like to share like what kind of routine oh um we'll go whole body whole body like strength or are we talking like mobility what are we talking uh we'll go make sure of both so people can integrate both oh my, oh my all word. the hard questions let's go <laughs> you're gonna have me here for like another hour <laughs> oh um I'll, i don't skip your activation i always i've got to mm. do my glute activation stuff i like if i'm running if i'm cycling if i'm breathing i need to do glute activation stuff can you walk us through some of those exercises um yeah i love to do some uh clamshells Mm. with banded clamshells or side side plank clams um and i also like to do some like banded lateral walks um but with the clamshells i don't like hip flexion because it takes more of the focus into your Mm. hip flexor Whereas your knee in line with your hip, and this is just some semantics, and I'm gonna get up on a soapbox here, but is that... then it's gonna kick that more into your glute. Okay, so it's like when you're like in a hip raise position. When you're like you're sidelining. Oh, okay. You're sidelining, okay, and you're just yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought you meant like this is the clams on your back, and you were like in a hip. Oh. No, but that's. I mean, that also sounds good. 
Well, this made a new exercise. <laughs> Let's go. Kyle, I just gotta try oh, that tonight. <laughs> Actually, um, yeah, I feel like it's definitely been a combination of things for me though. I loved a back squat. Part of it's just figuring out what I love mm. and figuring out what I enjoy to do that consistently. So right now I'm loving back squat. I did a little front squat block, um, just this last strength cycle for me, but now I'm more into a back squat block again, which has been so fun. Mm. Um, I'm training for a triathlon. <laughs> so that's been a lot of my training now is swimming, biking and running. And then my strength training kind of becomes that supplement mm. and also the huge component in mitigating injury risk, especially with the high volume of training. Mm. <laughs> so, Running, cycling, um, yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Um, but yeah, and then I, I have to, I've had to be really intentional about stress management lately because of everything mm. on my plate. How have you been doing that? So I found, I'm such a yoga instructor thing for me to say. I found a yoga studio and a yoga class that I love. Mm. And I go on Sunday nights and it's like the perfect end and beginning to my previous and next week that, mm. and it helps calm me down. And gives me a little, just the reset I need to. Yeah. Because if I'm not taking care of that whole aspect, like the physical stuff does not feel good. Mm. Could you take us through a little yeah. breathing exercise to sort of help anyone that's sort of feeling stress? Yeah. You want to breathe right now? Let's go. Okay. Um, this is the one I give to all my athletes. We'll just do a little box breath. Have you done box breathing before? It's easy, yeah. super easy, but it's my favorite because I think it's super effective and it gives your brain the count to think about mm. and also helps to start to settle you. And I think anything to give your brain something to focus on, especially if it likes to wander like mine does, <laughs> is really helpful. So you just find a seated space. You can close your eyes. You can soften them. And then start to relax. And I like to start everything with the full body scan too. So I think about relaxing from the top of my head, relaxing the eyebrows, my eyes, my jaw, my shoulders. And just starting to let that sense of ease travel down through your whole body, down through your arms, your rib cage. And starting to let your belly expand on each inhale you take in and allowing a little more sense of ease to come in through your body with each exhale you let go of. And you just slowly will start to breathe in through the nose for count of four, three, two, pausing at the top for that same four, three, two, and then beginning to exhale, three, Two, pausing at the bottom. Three, two, one. Inhale. Three, two. Hold. Three, two, one. Exhale. Three, two, one. Pause. Four, three, two, one. And just take one more cycle like that. Inhale. 
pause, exhale, pause. And then you can slowly let the breath return to the natural rise, fall, and maybe open your eyes. Nice. And then maybe you feel a little calmer than when we first started. Thank you for taking us through that. I do, like, that is something that I do specifically for bedtime. When, like, my mind's racing at 100 mm-hmm. miles an hour. Like, I always feel like nighttime is the worst because, like, I've got so much, like, thought like and that's some for some reason that's when i come up with all my business ideas just before i go to sleep (laughs) so i usually do i I like to do wim hofs as well i do like that one yeah to calm me down oh that's um like that's a good one for the morning when i'm just like wanting to get hyped up Mm -hmm. i'll go straight and then i will go for a nice shower like a cold cold shower and i'm just like let's go that's awesome. Um, I have yet to get into the, the cold baths and ice showers. Highly recommend it. It's just oh. the the thing for me is like I know. <laughs> the thing for me is like I the, know. the the mental side of it as well, because like for those three four minutes, like you just have to suffer. Like, yeah. but then when you get out, yeah. like you warm up super quick. And like your brain's got mm-hmm. like this extra gear and it's just like, you're just like, go, yeah. let's go. Um, I, yeah, that's yeah. what I really like. I like, there's, there's pretty like good ice baths right now. If you don't want to necessarily like buy ice all the time. Um, Lumi's a good yeah. one. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, yeah, Lumi's a good one. Um, Oh. That's that, that they're reasonably priced as well, which is quite good. Um, cool, but yeah, like it's it's just it's a, like it's why I said like this industry is so vast, and like there's not really one yeah. thing for everyone. Like, just try a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Um, what's something totally. that you recommend, like that you do during your training that you think people would benefit from? Oh man, eat, honestly. I think like, especially as a female, um, there's such this misconception that you need to like cut down on carbs. Eat your carbs before your workout and eat your carbs after your workout. Mm. That's what, I mean, that's my best training advice. Because if you're anything like me and you lived for years on this planet thinking that you needed to eat less bread, stop doing that. Eat your carbs. It's like putting (laughs) fuel in a car. Yeah, and enjoy them for goodness sakes. Oh, my word. Can I ask how your training is going? Yes. Oh, my word. Okay, (laughs) so, you know, I I attempted a half Ironman. Mm-hmm. Right? Did I tell you about that? Uh, roughly. Okay. I made it through the swim. I made it through the bike. So it's a 1.2 mile swim, a 56 mile bike, and then a half marathon. Mm. 13.1 mile run. I don't know what that is in kilometers. I'm sorry. Uh, UK's miles. <laughs> oh, okay. UK is miles. Yeah. That's right. Okay. But for anyone, anyone watching <laughs> who uses kilometers. 
I'm so sorry. Uh, I have no it's, idea. It's 2.2. Uh, yeah, it's two point two, <laughs> so it's it's almost double, whatever. So like, uh, yes. I know, I know, uh, marathon is twenty two point six, and it's I think it's forty, just forty six kilometers. I think for a marathon. Okay. So it's okay. it's almost double. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Anyway, I digress, but, um, so I'm training for my, my, a next race like that. Um, I want to try it again. I want to attempt it again. I missed the time cut off by mm. seven minutes to continue onto the run last time. Uh, yeah. And I had some mechanical, yeah, I had some bike mechanical issues and stuff like that. So I want redemption and I'm training for hopefully a half Ironman next year. And I've barely said it out loud because I'm terrified. <laughs> the podcast is the best way to put it. But, <laughs> yeah. So yes, I'm, I'm for anyone who <laughs> listens to my voice this long. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> straight off the press. Um, straight off the press. Yeah. Um, but it's going, it's going, it's yeah. slow and steady. And I biked and swimmed, swam Swam. and ran this week. (laughs) So I, yeah, I'm back at it. It's so it's going okay. It's going okay. It's a lot of work. It's, um, it's a lot with school. I, Mm. a lot of times I'll just, I have a stationary bike. I'll cycle while I'm in lecture. Don't tell my professors. (laughs) Um, you're just calling yourself yeah, out today. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's all my professors. Um, That's okay. They probably already know. With you, kind of know the research that I did for my undergrad, and yeah. you kind of know my research area. How has like mm-hmm. the monthly fluctuations for you impacted your training? So I don't really get a consistent period Mm. so for me it's really hard to track um but i can definitely tell like there's certain times of the cycle in in the month that i feel way more i've noticed bloating Mm. i get super like i've been super bloated certain times and um i feel a little bit more i guess fatigued and that's probably the main thing that I notice at certain points um, during the month. But the other thing I notice just so impacts me is stress. Mm. So if I'm super stressed, it's going to make every single workout feel a thousand times harder. Yeah. What sort of things do you implement to mitigate that? Through my stress? Uh, no, so for the fluctuations. I'm guessing boxing. A lot. (laughs) That's a whole different convo. Um, gosh, honestly, I'm I'm really trying to figure it out still. Mm. I don't I don't know if I have any good answers. I Um, just had someone on that does a lot of female athletes, and she coaches a lot of females, and she placed a big emphasis on nutrition and like the type Mm -hmm. of foods that you eat can make it a yeah. big difference. And I think that's something that I'm starting to sort of dive into now. 
is like the nutrition mm-hmm. side of how sort of different nutrients and minerals, vitamins can impact how a woman feels during the period or during sort of different hormonal dips and raises. Um, mm-hmm. Have you found anything nutritionally that helps? You know, honestly, I, I've been really lucky with my periods and with my cycle because I was never someone who got like super laid out by it. Mm. I've always been pretty able to just live life like normal. Um, and that is not the case for like most females. Mm. Um, so I feel very lucky that for whatever reason, that's how things have been for me. Um, I think more recently I've started to notice, but I think it's probably more linked to stress. So I just noticed that it mm, feels okay. like if I'm not, yeah, it feels like if I'm not managing my stress as well, then it kind of like, I feel like then I can kind of tell differences week to week. I don't know if it's related to my cycle or if it's related to stress, it's hard to tell, mm. but it feels like it could be both. So I think they kind of play on each other. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if we're looking at it logically, I think it does make sense because like obviously stress brings up and down different hormones. You've got different hormones pumping through you and surging through your body as well. That does make sense. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about yeah. it that way. I don't know. Food for thought. And I'm 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 not an expert, but I'd love to learn more. Yeah. But that's the thing, like I, I I think I've mentioned it to you, like the amount of imposter syndrome I get from talking to females about periods. It's like, mm. I've never had one. I, like, But like some females don't even get one. Well, that is true. You know, like, so, and I think too, it's all about like your interests and in your area of study. And it's kind of similar, like just because I've never played football doesn't mean that I can't, help you mm. lift weights you know yeah 100 percent. so like because a woman you know a female might get a period but you don't it's like you've also studied yeah it. like this is yeah. what this is why i love to ask female in general just like their experience with it everyone's is different as well so it's like i've never had one say the exact same thing as someone else there's there's common yeah. ground but there's a, like obviously that individuality between everyone. And like, mm-hmm. I just like to know like the sort of differences that there is out there. Cause like, if I can know them, then I can sort of look into different aspects. So like nutrition was a big one because like they said that certain okay. foods make them feel worse. So like, okay, then what, mm-hmm. what is that food made out of and why is it having this negative impact on you right um yeah that's yeah. like that's super fascinating to me yeah i think it's such, such an interesting area of study yeah it's so cool that you chose that i think that's awesome that you chose that. i think like that's like i'll say this all the time like it's just due to one lecturer like she knew this the stupid mind frame that i was in and like how to teach me accordingly. Cause like, 
she was she, so she was a sociology le- uh, lecturer big shout out to amanda mm-hmm. guard um but she she brought up the fact that no research gets done on women and yeah. i was like oh, that's bullshit I obviously research gets obviously research gets done on women. What are you talking about? And then she was like, "All right, okay, that's hundred percent fine. Um, task for next week: go out, find some research, come back the week after, and tell me what you found." I was like, "Bet." So then the week after came, and I was like, "I owe you an apology. Like you're a hundred percent right." And like. There's, there's no research on women. And like, it was just that different way. Cause she could have been like, oh my class, just bolt. Like you're, you're done. You're good. Don't, don't shut up. But like she, instead she was just like, okay. She challenged me to go and find some. And then when I came back and told her there was nothing, we spoke about it. She was like, okay, this is why, this is what other things have played an impact onto this. And then I was like, how, how can this be changed though? And she was like, you've got your dissertation coming up. How can you change it? Yeah. And I was like, all right. It's a cool professor. That's a really cool professor right there. She was amazing. Like she, she hands down, like changed my course of like research. And I'm just like, yeah, she's dope. I love her. That's awesome. Um, I want to hang out with her. She sounds so cool. <laughs> she is. She is. She is. I feel like we'd be friends. <laughs> She's weird. Like the thing is, like she does. So her PhD was is on uh, incontinence in women, and like how that mm-hmm. has an impact on sort of going to classes, doing exercise, and how some women just don't because like they're embarrassed or scared that they might wear themselves. Hundred percent. And for her, she was just like, "I just want to change that because it's a, it's a dysfunction. So we we can't fix it. Pelvic floor exercises, Kegels. That's how you stop it. But women think that as soon as that happens, like they're done. And she's like, "No, like there's so much you can do. Like mm-hmm. she she told me a story where." I think she had went to see someone about like the different types of exercises and she just like broke it down. She like gave her a PDF and she was just like, this is all that you can do. Like, it's not the end of the world. Like, and I think, I don't know if you've seen it, but like I've definitely been approached and asked about it. It's like when you see these like influencers, like deadlift and heavy and they just pee, mm-hmm. and like they post it. Mm-hmm. they're thinking it's like it's mm-hmm. a good thing to normalize like mm-hmm. sure like be comfortable in the gym to do whatever you want but like that mm-hmm. is still a, dif- a dysfunction like yes there's there's so much internal yeah. abdominal pressure that you're creating that you're peeing yourself your pelvic floors yeah. are weak you need to strengthen that like that is an area where you yeah, can you strengthen need to go see, you need to go see a pelvic floor physical therapist hundred percent and it's just like these little things that like she's sort of introduced to me that i'm just like yeah that's pretty that's pretty messed up like why is that yeah and i think like that's that's one of them that i've sort of been like yeah like no that's not normal she's like men can do it too i was like 
yeah, we can. <laughs> yeah, we can. Yeah. yeah, it's so interesting. Pelvic floor physical therapy is a really interesting field, and it's hugely important. Mm. It's, it's all the work that they do. And it's it's it goes back to that thing that you were saying. It's just like bodily movement. Like everyone needs bodily movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've just rambled on. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best, though. 100%. <laughs> um, so we've gone to the viewer questions segment. Um, there was one question that came in that I found quite interesting because I sort of know some of them. Um, but it was, what's the hardest thing you faced as a female SNC coach? Oh my word. I, oh my gosh. You already know. Yeah. We don't need to talk about it. I do know it, but (laughs) we don't have to get into it. But can you just explain sort of like how it makes you feel and like what it sort of did to you at that moment in time? I would say that like as a female strength and conditioning coach, I definitely have not, not always been respected. And there are still countless instances where I face an extreme amount of disrespect. Mm. Um, I've been hit on. I've been, yeah, I've been told that I can't work out in specific attire. Um, I've been told just like a whole multitude of things. Um, And it's really, it's, it's so challenging. It's so challenging because you want to be the constant struggle that I face is you want to be like assertive Mm. and you want people to not see you as someone that they can walk all over. And then you don't want to come across as an excuse my language. You don't want to come across as a bitch because so frequently if I am to act in this similar 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 way probably just about arguably the same way as male counterparts and be assertive and be loud Mm. and demand respect that comes across as me being a quote-unquote bitch because it's just not the way that females I guess the role females have typically been seen in Mm. and so to I think sort of emulate a similar it's really challenging it's so challenging like I basically looked at all my male counterparts and tried to figure out okay how do I do this but make it seem like it's still me Mm. but also not come across as a bitch yeah 
how it's truly when you take the behavior of so many male strength and conditioning coaches and if you were just to have the same exact thing coming out of their mouth as a female it's perceived entirely differently mm. and that's just really been my experience yeah. personally how have you dealt with these situations honesty mm. always honesty yeah. and i think head on so whenever i've had an issue i have always communicated it to um either uh, another strength and conditioning coach or whoever really is the point of contact for um That's like team. situations yeah. that yes um especially when it comes to like <laughs> like being hit on or something like that when I'm just trying to do my job. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, what's really frustrating too, is I I'm not there to be seen as someone who's like similar to what I said at the beginning of this. I don't, I'm not asking for different treatment. I actually want consistency. Mm. And I think, you know, if other coaches aren't getting hit on, I really don't, I don't want to be hit on. <laughs> while I'm trying to do my job. Yeah. Um, and I faced a lot of commentary. It's like, well, because you know, you're quote unquote attractive female. And it's like, so why does that fall on me? And why doesn't it mm. fall on the behavior of others? That's what I would like to know. Yeah. You know, it's challenging, but yeah. I've just been really honest in every single conversation I've ever had with a coach or a athlete or, um, management or anything like that like you know this is what happened and this is how I dealt with this and I wanted to make you aware of the situation so you can choose to kind of do with that what you will from there yeah. so but I'm I just I have to be honest because I really 100%. don't know what what go about it. I do think you're right in, in the sense that it's like it's just consistency across the board that sometimes lacks with yeah the female counterparts so like i know that if i'm coaching i can shout i can poke i can prod and that that's fine yeah but as a female you kind of have to be a little bit more careful but then again the roles mm -hmm. reverse when it's males coaching females and whatever else like there's certain things you need to be careful with what you're saying but then again that's not much on the athlete being doing to the coach as the coach's way of being but like again the right. consistency is a hundred percent like it should be the same across the board mm -hmm. yeah it's it's really tricky though and i think also figuring out like what feels authentic for me like what feels like the authentic way for me to coach but is also like aligns with the environment mm. what's that some of sense. the things that you've sort of dealt with from a female coach's perspective that you kind of wish you did different oh my gosh i think it's hard to say in hindsight like what i would have done different i think i came in really nice mm. and i thought that people would Respect meet that. me with that same sort of respect and 
kindness for that. Um, and unfortunately, I was walked all over. So that was the lesson I learned. <laughs> so I, and not to say I was, I was not mean. I just became uh-huh. really cut and dry. Like I just became, this is what you're expected to do. Go do it. Yeah. I mean, it had to be really just straight shooting and I had to actually I mean I'm a very like bubbly smiley like dynamic individual and I think for me it was actually hard because in certain situations I had to ensure that I was being pretty freaking serious to be taken seriously Mm. Um, and that's really challenging I think like I don't know. I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's bad, but that's kind of just how it was for me. Yeah. No, and like, again, I've, I was sort of there for like the beginning of like the relationship you had with yoga and athletics and like building that yeah. up. And that for me was like, I mean, out of every one of the interns, you were the first one to sort of get your group. So like that was a great deal of responsibility put onto you really early on. And you've like, you've just rose to that occasion. Like you just smashed it. So like for me, I think it was just like you, you made this opportunity and like you did come in really nice and you were like very nice. You would do everything for everyone. But then as soon as some things sort of happened, you were just like, all right, done. Yeah. And then you just switched. Yeah. And I was like, Caroline's here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that was not, I haven't really experienced that so extremely Mm. as I did in that setting. And I think it was, it's good to know, like when, and it would have been entirely different with like, I think with a female team, you know, because you just, so it's so, it's just part of it. It's part of the learning experience. And I, I think it's probably not fair for me to look back and say like, I wish I would have come in stronger yeah like that and that's just an aggressive approach too and you don't want that initial it's just so hard first impressions are hard um I think as a female and the only female Mm. coaching in that weight room at that time it was really hard because I would get so hung up on how I was going to be perceived Mm. that it would feel paralyzing like it's it's it comes down to one of those things I said and I am blocking I'm fully aware that I'm blowing smoke up your ass. But like, it was one of those things that I said to you. It was like, Carolyn, you need to think about like the the trail you're blazing for females coming into this industry coming up. And I was like, like you can just stick it out. You're good. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think it's always hard, though, at the end of the day to like know what sort of impacts. Mm that left or that made and was it just a moment in time that I was there or is that I don't know I think it's it's so hard and it's not the sort of environment that you're ever going to really know if you Mm. ever impacted anyone ever yeah so you can't be in it for external validation you can't be in it to you know get any reassurance like no one's gonna hold your hand no one's gonna no one's going to validate anything you're doing. In fact, if you don't get feedback, it's probably a good thing. 
Hundred <laughs> percent. I I I know an individual that didn't get the best uh, comments. <laughs> warranted, <laughs> very warranted. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. If you're, if you're getting a lot of feedback, if you're getting a lot of feedback, it might be a sign that you know. I, I feel like the when I wasn't getting feedback, it was like, okay, well, if someone were unhappy, they would be letting me know. Mm. So, but you can't, can't be waiting around for someone to tell you good job because it's probably not going to happen. Not in that setting not anyway. Setting. And it's like, it's that and, high end elite. Like, not as a female, not as the only female in a men full of women either. You're never going to get that like, oh, girl, you slayed. <laughs> You're never going to get like queen shit, you know, <laughs> it's never going to happen. No. But I think that's like, you know, yeah, it's just part of it. And I think that's what. I've essentially liked to see your career and how it's progressed. It's like you started at UW, like I'm, that's not where you started yoga and what you do, but like that's where like I saw it take off. Because like from then, I think you didn't crackins, and then now you've got like tennis. You've got all the UW teams. And like I think that's pretty sick. Thank you. Oh, you're the best. <laughs> Thanks. Made my day. <laughs> no, uh, thank you so much for coming on, Caroline. Do you want to plug anything like your websites and? Yes, please. So, um, my brand is Flex by Caroline. So flex for muscle, but <laughs> yes. also for flexibility. So, um, we got my flex merch on today to rep, but um, you can find me at flex by caroline on ig i'm also the same on tiktok i'm not active on tiktok though my 18 year old brother convinced me to get tiktok so Fair. um and then i have a website that's also just flexbycaroline.com so you can connect with me on any of those platforms I'll, and i'll also link I'm, everything in the descriptions yeah awesome <laughs> But thank you, Manny. Thank you for having me on. This was awesome. And no, it's, it's always good to be with you. And it's cool to do it in this sort of format. Yeah, so. no, it, it's been a long time coming as well. I know I had some scheduling issues and then you had some. Um, um, I had a ton. <laughs> nah, it's all good. But like, I, the thing is, like, I'm super mindful, like, how busy SNC coaches are. So, like... Mm-hmm. Or just coaches in general, like we're just we're always on the go and we're always like hundred miles an hour. So like if someone's got scheduling issues that they're going to be like, I can't do it unfortunately, but we can reschedule. I'm like, yeah, like no worries at all. Like yeah. we can always come back and visit a podcast. Like I would rather you do what you you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're you're awesome for that. And this is an awesome thing you got going. So thank you. Stick with it. Thank you.